Thank you for listening to the sermon podcast of the Potter's House in Virginia Beach. church with a worldwide vision for winning souls, making disciples, and planting churches. We're a Pentecostal church affiliated with the Christian Fellowship Ministries. We hope you enjoy today's sermon. Thank God for all who give and labor. Uh, let me just put in a plug for, uh, for our text message alert system. Perla mentioned that as she began her testimony. Uh, if you did not get that text message with the urgent prayer request, Maybe now would be a good time to sign up for our text alert system. Thanks, Amanda. Uh, you can send the code to the number that's up on the screen, and that means that you will get uh, alerts and updates from the church as they happen. Uh, and we, we want you to be plugged in. We want you to be one of those prayer warriors. And uh, imagine in the moment that you have a need, wouldn't you like to have other people praying for your need also? And so that's why this is a great uh, system. Uh, it's not like a blast. It's not like a, a big group text that's going to blow up your phone, you know, 300 times a day. Uh, but simply uh, for alert system, so that you can be up to date with what God is doing. Amen. Let's open up our Bibles this morning as we come into God's house today. How many glad to be saved? Hallelujah. Where would you be without Jesus? It's, uh, it's an amazing thing to consider the salvation that God has so generously provided to us. This morning, I want you to open up your Bible to Isaiah chapter 9, prophet Isaiah. Isaiah chapter 9, as we turn into God's word this morning, it is the Christmas season, it is upon us already. The trees are going up. The decorations are filling your yards and the yards of your neighbors. The, uh, the malls are packed, uh, but even more are the Amazon shopping websites and uh, Black Friday, Cyber Monday. Uh, people are spending money like crazy for gifts and for, uh, for many, many uh, other people. Uh, and it's, it's just an amazing time of year. Uh, I love the Christmas season. And, uh, but what we cannot deny is that along with the Christmas season, everybody seems a little bit happier. There's Christmas tunes in the stores and on the radio, and everybody's feeling a little bit jollier and a little bit more generous, and we're eating a little bit more pumpkin pie and, and uh, apple pie and every other pie that exists, and so it tends to be a, a little bit more happier of a time, but uh, at the same time, uh, we also have to realize that Christmas and this whole holiday season can be a time of despair. It can be a time of difficulty for many people, because uh, just as joyous and wonderful as the Christmas season is, it is also true that it's in this time that we remember People and things that have happened in the past and perhaps those who have passed on to be with the Lord and wishing and remembering them and wishing that they were 
still with us. And so it can be, for some people, the, the holidays can be a time of depression and sadness, feeling the, the, the emptiness of those who are not with us. Some, some people go into a, into a dark place for this whole six-week period. And, and uh, I want to take the opportunity this morning to share with you the gospel. The word gospel, it means good news. And the very story of Christmas is the story of light coming into the darkness. It's the story of hope entering into a world of despair. It's a story of peace entering a situation of turmoil. It's a story of Christ, the perfect, sinless, spotless Son of God, coming into a world of sin and disease and darkness and wickedness, right? It's the story, it's the good news of the gospel. And that is exactly what we find in this scripture in Isaiah chapter 9. Isaiah chapter 9, this book was written 700 years before Jesus was born. Can you imagine? 700 years before Jesus was born, the nation of Israel was in a time of incredible turmoil. They were being invaded by, uh, by advancing armies. They were being overtaken. It was a time, could you imagine what it would be like if armies were, were coming in all around you and were uh, doing terrible things and burning homes and stealing uh, fortunes and killing people and blood was flowing. And that's exactly what the context of the scripture is in the midst of this turmoil that is happening in the nation. God begins to speak through the prophet Isaiah. And the words that are given to Isaiah give comfort and hope in the midst of turmoil. That's good for us. Because the longer you live this life, the more you understand that this fallen world is a world filled with turmoil and chaos, and difficulty. But what we have in the Christmas story is we have hope. We have hope in the form of a little baby. Because what happens in this chapter is Isaiah is giving God's word to God's people in a time of difficulty, and he takes their eyes off of current circumstances, and he points them to a future that one day God is going to bring them a Savior. He takes their eyes off of the present and onto the future where God one day is going to give them a Messiah, a prophetic word. And these are the words that Isaiah speaks. Isaiah chapter 9, beginning with verse 1. It says, Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in the Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation and increased its joy. 
They rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest, as men rejoice when they divide the spoil. For you have broken the yoke of his burden and the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. Verse 5, for every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel of fire. Verse 6, here it is, the good news of the gospel. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulder. His name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And so let's pray together. Father, we come by the blood of Jesus. I thank you that in the midst of pain and suffering in the midst of difficulty and despair you have given us hope and a light in the darkness god you've given us a reason to rejoice even when we don't have all the answers even when we don't see a way out god you are the hope that we have in this life and we thank you for all that you are going to do in jesus mighty name god's people would say amen so these next three weeks as we approach the christmas holiday i want to take some time to uh, examine this gospel message, and I want to uh, I want to title this sermon today "Wonderful Counselor," because what we have in Isaiah chapter nine, and specifically there in verse six, is we have messianic prophecy. We have predictions about how God is going to send His Son into the world, and how we need to be thinking about Him. And especially now as it's Christmas, and this is exactly why we are having this holiday. It's not about the gifts. It's not about the trees. It's not about just the decorations. It is about Christ. Somebody said amen. It is about Christ. And when we think about Christ, we have to think about more than just the pendant that hangs from so many people's necklaces. We have to think about more than just the manger scene which is represented on your neighbor's front lawn. We have to think about more than just the Sunday school stories. We have to think more than just the paintings on the wall or the stories that we tell, the pictures that we see, the movies that we've watched. We have to get a biblical understanding of how Jesus is supposed to interact with our lives and that's what these next three messages and these next three Sundays are going to be about and for this first of these three messages I want to examine what it means that Jesus is wonderful counselor can everybody say that together with me wonderful counselor the Bible gives Jesus this title wonderful Counselor, what does that mean for us today? What does it mean when attacking armies are invading? When the enemy comes in like a flood? What does it mean that we have a wonderful counselor? So that you get your full money's worth this morning, I want to give you the Hebrew interpretation. The Hebrew words here are Pele Yohetz. Pele is the word wonderful, and Yohetz is the word counselor. Now let's break these down 
so that you can understand what's behind these English words. Pele means wonderful, but it's more than just that. Wonderful is what we use to describe uh, good food or good times. Wonderful, full of wonder. But in the Hebrew, it's a little bit deeper than that. In the Hebrew, it means a cut above or better than anyone else could expect. It describes something so great that only God can do it. Almost every time the Bible uses this word, it is in reference to something God has done, not something that man has done. Okay? Job uses this word in Job 9, verse 10. It says that God performs wonders that cannot be fathomed, miracles that cannot be counted. When it says wonders, that's the same word, Pele. God has done wonderful things that we can't even fathom, things that we cannot even consider. In Psalm 86, the same word is used again. David, speaking about God, says that you are great and you do marvelous deeds. Wonderful, Pele, you are God alone. Do you see that the sense is more than just something pleasant or something pleasing, something that we enjoy But it's wonderful in the sense is that it's beyond what human beings can do. When the Bible calls Jesus a wonderful counselor, first of all, it means that he is above and beyond any expectation we could set on him. However great you think Jesus is, he's greater than that. He is more amazing than you could imagine. And can I tell you, we will spend eternity worshiping the the risen Son of God. And we will never tire of that because as eternity progresses, we will gain more and more understanding of what His sacrifice meant for us. Of what He's done for you personally and for us as a group of believers. So that's wonderful. (laughs) And then we get the word that I want to really focus in on this morning. It is the word counselor. He is wonderful, and he is counselor. Yohetz is the Hebrew word. But when when we use the word counselor in our modern vocabulary, probably the first thing that you thought of was was a a psychologist on a couch with a clipboard uh, asking about your inner child. How do you feel about that? Tell me more about your childhood and examining our thought process and our feelings. But that is not the picture that we get from the word yohetz in the Hebrew. The word that is translated uh, counselor is a far different word and a far more meaningful word, in my opinion. Before before the modern uh, twisting of this idea, a counselor was more than just someone who asked about our feelings. Counselors are not therapists. They were strategists. A counselor in the sense of this word is not someone who listens to patients on a couch, but it's someone advising on how to win a war, how to win a campaign, how to organize a new business venture. Maybe a better word that we could use today is the word consultant. Have you ever tried to hire a consultant? 
Maybe you uh, started a business and, and uh, you wanted to get to the next level. Well, that's a great time to hire a consultant, a business consultant, to come in and take a look at your operations and your numbers, and you're going to open up the books, and you're going to show them, well, this is what we do, and this is that. And, and that person's going to come and take a look and examine, and, and they're going to consult with you. Well, uh, uh, you know, if this person is a consultant, it probably means that they've started 10 or 15 businesses in the past. And you know what would work really well? If you change this here, if you put that person there, if you do that, and all of a sudden, you've got success on your hands. It's amazing what a consultant can do. You know, I looked up the numbers of how much a good consultant makes in a typical year here in America. You want to take a guess? $130,000 annual salary. That's pretty good money to be a consultant. And can I tell you something? A good consultant is worth every penny. Someone to come in and give you sound counsel in order to figure out how to be more successful in your life, in your business. This is the word. This is the idea of the word yohetz. It's to give advice. It's to guide. It's to help in the time of trouble. This is what Perla was describing just a moment ago. As she's testifying about find, trying to find wisdom about how to understand that very difficult situation. And here, just as she reads some scriptures, she finds help. She finds counsel. She finds a consolation in the midst of a time when everyone else is crazy. Right? When the family is blowing up, when people are crying and, and wailing and weeping on the phone. We have a wonderful counselor. We have a God who can come in and give us advice on how to act, how to live. Pastor Campbell has said, uh, it's one thing to act like a Christian. It's quite another thing to react like a Christian. When life hits you, when you get impacted, when there is a, a, a difficulty, when there is despair, when we enter into a season of darkness, that's what this winter season represents in many ways. If rep, each season represents a period or a time of life. Winter is a darker season. It's colder. The, the leaves have fallen off the trees. The fruit has long been removed, right? It's a season of difficulty and just trying to make it through. Sometimes you go through a winter season, right? And isn't it amazing that in the winter season, this is when we celebrate Christmas, the light that enters into the dark. It's those, those, uh, those very short days and those long nights of winter. In the northern hemisphere, right, the days are shorter. The sun goes down so early, it's like 5.30 and it's already dark outside. And sometimes that represents our life and how we're feeling. And man, I, I don't see the lights. I don't see the hope. And it's in this season especially, Jesus came to give us wise counsel. Advice in the midst of the darkness. Listen, Jesus loves to be your counselor. He doesn't just want to massage your feelings. He doesn't just want to make you feel better. Jesus wants to give you truth in love. 
And that's what he came to do again and again. See, the problem is that so many of us, we think that we know better than Jesus. When Jesus was revealed in our scripture as a wonderful counselor, it means that we have to be able to receive his counsel. We have to be able to hear his voice. We have to be able to open our hearts and our minds to hear. And this is why prayer is so critical. We've got to have hearts open and minds open to the voice of God so that we can have his counsel, his advice, his guidance. How many have figured out that you can't do it on your own? I mean, you can, but you're going to screw it up. The more that we lean on our own understanding, the more we are led into destruction. The more that we do it the way that we think it ought to be done. I don't need any help. Have you figured it out already? That's the life of sin that leads to destruction. But it's when we find a wonderful counselor. That's when we find life. It's when we find hope. It's when we find peace and satisfaction. I'm not saying that everything changes in a moment. But we do find hope. Jesus gives us so many examples in the scripture of wise counsel and wonderful counsel that he gave to people. In Luke 19, we know Jesus had a meeting with a man named Zacchaeus. Up until this point, Zacchaeus had been a financially driven businessman and very successful, and everybody hated his guts. But he made a lot of money. And uh, when he met Jesus... Jesus says, I have to come to your house today, Zacchaeus. And at that moment, Jesus comes into his house to eat with him and fellowship with him. Zacchaeus' life is changed, isn't it? And we know that his life is changed because all of a sudden, right before this, he had been perfectly willing to take people's money and to cheat them and to, uh, to, uh, to do devious things to make more profit. But now all of a sudden, Zacchaeus says to Jesus, Lord, if I've wronged anyone, I will return it fourfold. And Jesus gave some counsel. He said, oh, truly today, salvation has come to this house, right? Salvation. He says, that is a good thing to do, Zacchaeus. See, wisdom, God, Jesus wants to give us counsel about our finances. How to deal with finances, how to spend money, how to save money, how to invest money, how to do right with money. We need a, a good financial counselor, don't we? Jesus has the spirit of counsel. In Isaiah chapter 11, it says that there shall come forth a rod out of the stem of Jesse, a branch shall grow out of his roots, the spirit of the Lord shall rest upon him the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and of might. This is, again, a messianic prophecy about who Jesus will be when he arrives. He will have a spirit of counsel. Let me ask you, have you been hearing the counsel of the Lord in your life? Have you been listening? We must seek his counsel. The hope of this Christmas season is that Jesus has come 
as a wonderful counselor of our lives. You know, we need counsel in our marriages, in our families, in our relationships, don't we? We need counsel. I don't know how to do this right. We have to seek out wise counsel. I'm amazed at how many people, you know, marriage might be a difficult thing. Marriage is a difficult thing. And just because you're married doesn't mean you're going to stay married. It's not on autopilot. You have to work at this thing, right? Relationships are hard. And I'm amazed at people who put no effort into a marriage. It's like a garden. You know, if you put no effort into a garden, you know what it'll be? A jungle. It'll look like my backyard. If you put no effort into it, it's going to look ugly. And it's not going to be something pleasant and attractive. But when you put some work into it, hello? When you seek out some counsel, Lord, I need your help. You are my wonderful counselor. I want you to show me how to treat my wife, my children, my parents, my spouse. I want you to show me, Lord. You know, in our ministry, we need counsel. I believe that God has called everybody to a certain ministry. I want you to hear that again. I believe God has called each and every believer to some level of ministry. That God did not call us to be bumps on a log in the church. We are a ministry. We are a fellowship that believes that every person has their place in the church. And that we have all been called to do something for God. That something doesn't have to be preaching behind a pulpit. I hope that there are future preachers listening to this message today. But I also understand that everyone has a gifting. Everyone has a calling. And listen, if you're, gonna, if you're going to pursue your destiny with God, you need some wise counsel. God has given us leaders in our lives through which that counsel comes. Right? We have pastors, we have leaders, we have brothers and sisters in Christ who can lovingly direct and help and give godly counsel. When's the last time you sought out counsel? Uh, a while back I, I preached a message about, uh, about asking good questions. I can tell someone's heart for God by how many questions I get from them. And I'm not talking about dumb questions. I'm talking about interesting questions about things that are happening in your life. This is a heart that is seeking godly counsel. Has he been able to counsel you? I'm so grateful that in my life there have been key moments that God has given me his wonderful counsel. There have been key moments that I can look back to in my life and I can tell that God was in that decision. God led me to it. Uh, when we were there in, in the Chandler Church, and you know, it was a very busy time of my life because uh, the door director, that position in the Chandler Church, there's a lot of responsibilities given to that person. And uh, it was leading the outreach, organizing the Saturday concerts, uh, impact teams and outreaches and all this thing. And, and guess what? No pay. It's a volunteer position. And you have to be there before everyone else shows up and you have to wait until everyone leaves before you can go home. And if anything goes wrong, guess whose fault it is? It's the door director's fault. That was me for about a year of my life in Chandler. 
And there were many times that I thought to myself, why did I sign up for this? Many times that I came out, with, uh, came out of Pastor Campbell's office with my tail between my legs because I had been corrected. And there were many times that I thought, hey, I don't know if this is really worth it. But at the same time, I understood that when I got to this place where I am now, and every year since then, I have benefited from that time of godly counsel. There are things that I learned in that year that have carried my ministry throughout this whole time. That's God's wise counsel. You know, when we left the Chandler Church and we became missionaries in Bulgaria, uh, we sold our house. And it's not like we were, you know, financial gurus. My wife and I, we both worked full-time jobs and we made pretty good money before we had children. And, uh, and, and so we had bought this house and we were making the mortgage payment like you do. And, uh, and so it came time to go become missionaries. And guess what? We had to sell everything. We, we didn't want to leave any, um, anything behind. So we liquidated our lives. And part of that was selling the house. Well, can I tell you something? The year that we sold our house was 2005. It was right before the housing meltdown in America, the crisis. There was a balloon, and guess what? We sold our house at the peak of its value. It was so perfect. It was almost like I had timed it perfectly. But let me tell you, that wasn't me. It was God's timing. We bought it for 125000 We sold it for $189,000, and all of a sudden we filled with cash that we can use on the mission field. That was God's wise counsel. I can't claim credit for that. If I would have been sent out the year after that and I would have sold my house, it would have only been worth 140000 And I would have missed out on all that money and that opportunity to give. Listen, can I tell you something? When we made that money, we brought... It was one of the most exciting things I've ever done. We brought a check that had five digits on it to the church. That was exciting. You've never had true excitement in your life until you give large money. That is exciting. And it's fun. And, uh, and I want to tell you something. It's not because I'm smart. It's because we had a wise counselor. We have a wonderful counselor who put things together and ordered steps so that we could be blessed and that we could be a blessing. You know, I think about my relationship with my wife, Taya. How did I find this amazing woman, spiritual woman, a woman who has insights into the kingdom of God that I don't have? She's got skills and ability. And listen, was it just because I was so smart that I found the right girl? No, it was God who put us together. It was God, a wise counselor. Other decisions could have been made, other directions, other things could have happened, but God counseled me. I think about uh, her, her father, my father-in-law, Gary. Some of you know him. There were times in my life when I was at a turning point, and that my father-in-law, Gary, even before he was my father-in-law, he was just a friend at that time, a father of my, of my future wife. 
But there was times that he put his arm around me and said, hey, you better fix this thing in your life. And I heard God's counsel through that brother, through my father-in-law, and set my life on a path that has led to right here, this moment. I wonder, can you hear godly counsel? Can you receive Jesus, not just as a Savior? We all love Jesus as the Savior. We love Jesus, the baby in the manger. But do we also love Jesus as our counselor? Do we love Jesus when he points at flaws and failures that are happening in our lives and say, you better fix this. This is going to destroy you if you don't deal with this. He is a wonderful counselor. And he's not here to just pick out all of your flaws and make you feel horrible about yourself. But a good counselor does need to point things out when they're causing damage. Jesus, his title Wonderful Counselor. We have to seek His counsel concerning the issues of our lives. Does He counsel you? You know, there's a story in, um, in uh, Luke chapter 8. Let me make sure I have that right. Luke chapter 8. It's about the, the demoniac who is filled with demons. Yes, Luke chapter 8. A demon-possessed man is healed. And you can read the story in your own time, but it's amazing to me that Jesus, uh, uh, as he shows up on the scene, and this demoniac who spent his most of his life, well, we don't know exactly how long, but he's there naked, running around like a wild animal. He's lost his mind. He's lost his friends. He's lost his sanity. And Jesus comes in and changes everything, doesn't he? And you see this take place where, you know, he's there and Jesus has cast out all of these demons out of his mind, out of his life. And naturally, the thing to do would be, Jesus, I want to be with you, right? The demoniac says, please, I want to follow you, Jesus. I want to be one of your disciples. But isn't it interesting that Jesus gave him some counsel that seems counterintuitive? You would think that if a convert like that got saved in your church, You would want him to be very close. But the counsel that Jesus gave was, no, you're not going to follow me. You're not going to be my disciple, but I want you to go back to your hometown. I want you to go there and restore your family, restore your roots, talk to them and tell them all the things I've done for you. That's probably not what I would have done if I was in that situation. I would want this brother to come and testify everywhere I went. You testify and then I'll preach. You testify and that'll be everywhere we go. But Jesus sent him away and said, you go back to your home city. And the man was sad. You would be sad too. But when he listened to wise counsel, you know what happened? Revival. He went back to Decapolis, some of the largest cities in the area at that time. He began to speak about what Jesus had done, and multitudes believed in Jesus because of godly counsel. The word starts getting out. A man comes to him, a man who uh, uh, named Jairus, a ruler of the synagogue. And you know, this, this is... 
This is exactly right after the, the, the account with the demoniac. And then this man Jairus comes to Jesus and says that his daughter is sick. She's dying. You see how it, the godly counsel has led for this man to go and testify in Decapolis. And that leads to Jairus coming to Jesus. If Jesus can heal a man like that, then certainly he can heal my dying daughter. Right? Tells him about his dying daughter. Jesus says, okay, I'll come. I'll pray for her. As they're on the way, you know the story. There's a woman that has a flow of blood for 12 years. The doctor, she spent all of her money on doctors and hadn't gotten any better. And she said to herself, if I could just touch the hem of his garment, I'll be made whole. All of this happening together. As he's on the way to Jairus' house, this woman reaches through the crowd of multitudes and touches his garments. And in a moment, she's made well. And Jesus immediately knew something had happened. He said, someone touched me. Someone, he began to call out, who touched me? And there's this woman. And Jesus, he gives her some wise counsel, doesn't he? And in that moment, that same moment, man, I feel bad for Jairus because in that moment, here comes a messenger to tell him uh, Jesus doesn't need to come anymore because she died. Wouldn't you feel bad? Wouldn't that be terrible? But see, right there in the moment, as they were on the way, and as this little girl dies, Jesus gives Jairus some counsel. He gave, he gave her counsel. He said, he gave him counsel. He said in verse 50, do not be afraid, only believe. Listen, sometimes you've got to hear that. When the bad news comes from the doctor, when the bad report, when the word comes from your family members. You've got to hear the counsel of the Lord speaking to you. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Those are the words that Smith Wigglesworth preached again and again. If you know the story of this amazing preacher, those were his, his words to people in the midst of difficulty. Do not be afraid. Only believe. Only believe. That's some wise counsel. Some wonderful counsel in the midst of pain and difficulty. And we know that from that wise counsel, Jairus did believe. And he came again to his, to his house. And he put them all outside. And he said, little girl, arise. And we know that that girl was raised from the dead. All in one half a chapter in the Gospel of Luke. And all of it stems from the counsel of Jesus. Let me ask you, what would happen in your life and in the lives around you if you would follow the counsel of Jesus? What would happen in your life if you would do the things that seem counterintuitive, that seem like they don't make sense? But it's Jesus trying to give some wonderful counsel. What if you would follow the counsel to speak up, even when it's embarrassing or difficult? What if you would follow the counsel to believe even when it doesn't make any sense? To give even when you're out of money. What if you would follow his counsel to go to do right? Because I'm telling you, the reason that I mentioned these stories in the book of 
Luke chapter 8 is because there's a domino effect of following wise counsel of Jesus. It plays out in life in ways that you can't predict. And that's what I see every time I come to church. As a pastor, I get kind of a bird's eye view of everything God is doing that maybe you can't see. That God's moving in this family and doing it a miracle. And God did something over there and God moved this week in their life. And God did something powerful. And listen, maybe you can't see it because you're so focused on the little things that are happening in your life. But as we follow his counsel, the good news of the gospel is this. He is a wonderful counselor. And he will give you the ability to step into a new day. Maybe your life has been a winter season. Maybe your life, this chapter, has been very, very hard for you to go through. You know the wonderful thing about following his wise counsel? That one day, you flip a page, and it's a new chapter. And it's a new story. And all of a sudden, the winter breaks out into springtime. And all of a sudden, Jesus, the Son of God, enters a sinful world. That is the glory of the Christmas story today. And my message to you in this wonderful Christmas season is to receive Jesus as your wonderful counselor. Let him counsel your family. Let him counsel your mind. Let him counsel your finances. Let him counsel your family, your decisions. And I promise you, it will play out in life. Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Being a disciple of Jesus Christ is, without a doubt, the most exciting and rewarding adventure that you could ever be a part of. Sometimes you'll be amazed. You'll be surprised at the counsel that you receive in prayer. As you read the Word and study the Word of God, you'll be amazed, you'll be surprised at what the Lord will tell you, at how He will counsel you. But my, my encouragement today is for you to have courage. Do not fear. Only believe. And as you do, you will know Jesus as your wonderful counselor. Before we end the service today, it's possible that you've come to this place not knowing Jesus as your Savior. Your sins are not forgiven. And as you sit here today, as you examine your heart, you say, Pastor, I'm being honest. My sins are ever before me. They're destroying me. And I know that I'm not right with God. I know that if I was to die today, I do not have a relationship with the Savior. And I want to be made right. Listen, there's no... This is a black and white issue. There's no in-between here. There's either saved or not saved. There's right with God and wrong with God. Jesus said, you are either with me or you are against me. You are, you're either for me or you are not for me. This is a black and white issue. There are a few issues in life that are black and white. And this is one of them. Are you right with God this morning? Listen, no matter how deep the sin, the, the addictions, the bondages, no matter how wicked the sin may be in your life, here's the hope of Christmas that light enters into the darkness.
that hope enters into despair. That when the world is falling apart with sin, Jesus enters and changes everything. And that's what can happen in your life today. When you believe and trust in Christ and repent from your sins, then you can have your own personal Christmas story. As the Spirit of God, this wise and wonderful counselor, enters into your heart to change everything. The answer to a broken world is a baby in a manger. And the answer to your broken heart is that same baby who became a Savior for your soul. And I want to ask you today, have you received that Savior? Have you trusted in Him today? If, if not, I give you that opportunity now to receive Him as your Lord and your Savior, as your Counselor today. Would you respond? Is there someone here quickly? You'd slip up your hand. Say, please pray for me, Pastor. I'm not right with God. I see that hand. Is there someone else? Quickly, as you're examining your heart, you say, yes, I need what you're talking about. Someone else, quickly. Maybe backslidden in your heart. There was a time that you knew Him as your Savior, but you've backslidden. You've walked away from God. You've made decisions that have pulled you out of His will and purpose for your life. And you're here today, you want to make it right. Is there anyone else? Quickly, you lift up your hand so I can see it. I want to pray with you. Is there anyone else? Believe in God to save you from your sins. Is there someone else? Quickly today. God's moving today in this place. Thank God. We're going to open up this altar for prayer in just a moment. And what I want to ask you to do is to examine your heart. I want you to think about areas of your life that you know You know God's been trying to counsel you. To give you wonderful counsel and advice and guidance for your soul. But you've been resisting Him. It's time to surrender. Surrender to the Lord because He is a wonderful counselor. I wonder today if we could stand together to our feet. Stand to our feet. We're going to open up this altar for prayer. Would you come? God's going to help us. We thank you again for listening. Do you want to receive updates from our church in your inbox? Make sure to sign up at our website, vvph.org. If this message has been a blessing to you, would you consider supporting our ministry with a generous donation? Please visit our website at vvph.org and scroll down to find the Give button at the bottom of the page. We would be so grateful for your support. Until next time, love God and love people. Thank you.